is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back. That was it. It is over, yes. ladies and gentlemen, yes. boys and girls, children of all ages. That's right. We are in a state where the end of the Premier League season, we've seen it. It's done. It's over. Dan, one of your hosts here alongside Nick. No, Brandon. That's right. He decided Championship Sunday, Champion Sunday, not for him. But that's okay because we're here to break it down on London is Blue, hopefully your favorite Chelsea podcast out there in the many multiverses. But look, we've got plenty to talk about, even though it has ended basically the same way it was intending to start before the weekend started where Chelsea have now concluded a very disappointing Premier League season. We're going to talk a little bit about the players who are on their way out. We did get a chance to see what we think were a few emotional goodbyes from players as they were exiting the pitch. And then we're also going to react to a crazy day we're still coming down from with incredible scenes at Goodison Park and other locations where... Uh, yes, in fact, Everton have stayed up amongst other crazy things, and Leeds have gone down, which should make every Chelsea supporter Dan, just a bit should, happy. Should we? Should we do it? <laughs> no, nah, let's, nah, let's nah, wait, nah, wait, wait, nah, wait, nah, wait, nah. wait till later in the episode when we actually <sighs> talk about them. Because Damn. right now, I want to focus a little bit more on Chelsea, but primarily the Chelsea women's team, who once again, Nick, continue to just show that they are a level above the competition in the FAWSL. Back. To back, to back, to back, title yeah. champions. Yeah, it's like I think you in in one of the threads you brought up the LeBron, uh, D Wade, Bosch Heat video. Not four, not five. That I mean, this this Chelsea women's team is special, man. Obviously, go listen to Blue Royalty. We did a whole hour and ten minutes on Chelsea's title win. Uh, their third straight league and FA Cup double, which is just insane. Emma's, I think. Sixth or seventh league title at Chelsea. It just the team is so much fun in a period where you could be forgiven for not loving uh, Chelsea Football Club's performances on the field very much. The women's team consistently delivers. Uh, please go listen to that. An incredible, incredible team and uh, a nice send off for Mag Derrickson and Pernilla Harder yesterday. So uh, please, please, please go tune in. And uh, we picked up. Picked up a lot of fans this year, so I'm hoping that trend line continues. Yeah, again, you cannot say enough good things about the Chelsea women's team, about the players, about the leadership structure in charge over there. And ultimately, this is not a podcast about them in particular. This is about the men's team's capitulations over the entirety of a season that we'll be getting into. But... The Chelsea women are absolutely the breath of fresh air if you're looking for something a tad more enjoyable that is the right shade of blue for your in, your viewing pleasure. But Nick, through our match reviews, let's get into it. I picked a couple because there were multiple suggestions for It's Finally Over, which I think is a, a general consensus of excitement, exclamation, but a couple people from our wonderful Discord family did have a couple variants on that that felt maybe more accurate, or at least we're a little different than the general consensus. Jason Cassidy um, with, we didn't lose. Fair enough. We did not lose. Uh, 
Dugan jump shots pod with sweet, sweet relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's about right. Uh, Canyon C with misery is over. And then uh, Poo, P-U-U. That's a hell of a, a, a username there with the but that's all, folks. And uh, look, uh, all of it is correct. Whatever you wanted to put out there is right. It's an, It's been an absolutely brutal season for the Chelsea men's team. And so I think we're all within our right stand today to celebrate the fact that this season is officially over. Uh, Looney Tunes also a pretty good comp for <laughs> the type of performance Chelsea had the entirety of the season. I went with good by riddance because we had a chance to say goodbye to some players and we're saying good riddance to a season that we will consign to history as quick as humanly possible. We're just going to get that on the microfiche. We're going to store that in some unknown corner of a library never to be brought up again except for historians in the very very far future looking for absolute fall from graces but what was your three-word match review final grade colon fail that's what colon. i got colon making a huge comeback in the three-word match review at the end of the season <laughs> unbelievable no, no one had the odds on that. Plus, plus a thousand for Colin to make it into two, three-word match reviews with Bot Host. But before we get into the match details, we want to say thank you to those of us who are supporting us on Patreon. You can do that and join our wonderful Discord communities. We have a lot of chatter across multiple channels, particularly the transfer window one, as Chelsea start to get into the business of it all. And we want to thank those who are leaving wonderful five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps people find the show. We super appreciate it. It's something you can do all year round. It doesn't cost you anything, and we're super appreciative when you do it. But look, we have a match to get into. The opponent was Newcastle. Yeah, Champions League bound Newcastle on Sunday, May 28th, 2023 in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge. Scoreline was Chelsea 1, Newcastle 1. Goals in the ninth minute from narrative goal scorer Anthony Gordon. And then Sterling slash Trippier own goal in the 27th minute was all the action. So you could have walked out at halftime and gone and enjoyed some additional pints and not have to worry about coming back into it. But look, before we get into the fist and highlights, Nick, the pre-match activity that we want to highlight was the work by the We Are The Shed group and the Shed faithful who, A, had to arrive 10 minutes early to help make sure the placards were up, but also the wonderful banner for Aspi Luqueta. Yeah, I, it it did feel like the, the final appearance for Aspi today, I don't think... That sort of uh, that sort of we'll just call you legend playing on the we'll just call you Dave song uh, goes up without there being some acknowledgement that that that's a realistic possibility. And look, I, I know that there are, you know, I've said this multiple times this season. I know there are a bunch of people who who would rather not, you know, kind of see Dave play um, because, you know, I don't think he's played his best season by any means, but he is a legitimate Chelsea legend with the new Stanford bridge construction. There should be a slew of new statues in front of it, including some of the heroes that we know and love. And Dave should be right there. He has literally won everything that there is to win. He's done it with class and grace and a never say die attitude. And, um, it will be incredibly difficult despite what everyone on Twitter is saying, which is just not, the, the breadth of commentary across all Chelsea fandom. It will be incredibly difficult to replace a guy like that. And um, 
I, I, you know, Dan, I just love him. I love him as a player. I love him as a human. I think, you know, we, we've recently got a chance to talk to him on the pod and he just, uh, he does things the right way. Yeah. Look, he's been not only a great leader there, he's been a phenomenal ally in some of the conversations that he's put out with Magda and Pernil as a part of some of the other stuff that Chelsea has been doing from a social aspect this season. So there's not enough good words that we could use in the span of a few minutes here to talk about Aspilqueta. So we'll just say, we'll just call you legend and then get into some fist stand highlights here before breaking down the lineup and everything else. Boy oh, slipped in a lovely ball for Isaac up against Thiago Silva. Isaac got the shot on target and Kepa beats it behind for the first corner of the game. Lots of space here, who is San Maximam. Gordon making his way into the middle, and that was as easy as you like. Nobody went with Anthony Gordon, and he rolls in his first Newcastle goal. Better. And from Lewis, all that is a good delivery. Thiago Silva's there, and somehow Dubravka has clawed it away from goal. Thiago Silva looking for his first of the season. Fernandez, that's clever from Sterling. They totally switched off Newcastle. Raheem Sterling! Oh, it's an own goal! Chelsea a back level, really well worked free kick, everybody stopped playing in black and white, but Raheem Sterling and Enzo Fernandez saw what was unfolding. Isaac advanced, I think, so Maximum skipping away from the first defender easily, it's a good pass as well, here's a chance for 2-1 for Almiron, and he's hitting straight at Kepa, into four added minutes at the end of the first half. Yeah. Hall does put in a good ball, what a save from Dubravka, Sterling on the follow-up, cleared off the line. Chukwameka, this real involvement for him. Might go all the way. Maybe to Hall. Sterling's in there. And Sterling fires over. The worst ball back in there, by the way, for Vespers. Brilliant. Brilliant, actually. Oh, that's beautifully done. Deflection on the shot could have made it awkward for Dubravka in the end. He took it behind for a corner. Sterling's managed to win it off Burn. Space for Pulisic here if he can play it. Sterling lays it off for Christian Pulisic to win it. And he hits it straight at Dubravka. Here's Pulisic, releasing Lewis Hall, plenty of options in the middle here, decent cross for Felix, oh it's just over. All right Nick, let's run us through the last lineup of the 2022-23 Chelsea season. Mercifully, let's do it. Uh, Kepa between the sticks, uh, captain Cesar Espilicueta on the right hand side, legend. Uh, Trevo Chalaba, Thiago Silva in the middle and Lewis Hall. Resuming duties as left back in a back four with Enzo and Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the middle. Raheem Sterling, Connor Gallagher, Noni Manaweke, and Kai Havertz uh, attacking. Uh, subs of Wesley Fofana. I, I guess Trevo picked up an injury um, right before halftime. So Wesley Fofana came in. Looked thrilled to come out uh, onto the field, by the way. Just a little tongue-in-cheek there. Uh, Joel Felix in for Havertz in the 59th minute. Uh, Chukomeka in for Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the 60th minute, Kovacic in for Gallagher in the 70th minute, and Pulisic making an appearance for Noni Matawike, uh in the 88th minute. Unused subs of Mendy, Koulibaly, Mudrik, and Ziyech. Well, top-line stats, we're not surprised you that Chelsea had an XG that was higher than Newcastle's, 2.21 to Newcastle's 1.70. We had 65% of the ball there, 35%. 22 total shots! 
That feels like a high in recent memory to the 13 that they had five on target to their four, nine off target to their five, and eight blocked to their four. We had 10 corner kicks to their three, two offsides to their one, and nine fouls to their 11. We had two big chances, and not a surprise, we missed both of those big chances. They had two big chances and missed one of them. They hit the woodwork, had a counterattack, and had a counterattack shot, one apiece. We had none of those. We had 13 shots inside the box, nine outside the box, and three goalkeeper saves. One random stat from our good friend Naz with the Chelsea end of the season in 12th place with 44 points, their lowest finish since 1994. Also, Chelsea's lowest points and goals in the Premier League era, still, though, more than Erling Holland. So we get the dubious honor of we not being it. outscored by a single player <laughs> in the Premier League season. So, and this would also be the the furthest behind that we've finished uh, behind the champions of the league. So lots of work ahead, as Naz puts it, for Marisha Pochettino, who we'll talk about in a little bit more. Nick, you didn't fill one in, so shock me if you have it. A NPET shithouse moment in the match. I struggled with this. I don't, I don't really know if there is one. Is there? I... No. If it takes no. us more than two seconds to think about it, no. it didn't happen. No. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then when we jump back, it is the match summary, so stay tuned. Are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you're bored of the U.S. Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with 5,000-plus servers. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan with one month free. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened check it out my link nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue to get your subscription started today all right nick so as we get into it in the first half chelsea had a decent run for like two minutes and then newcastle just found a way to get the narrative goal, as I referred to it, from one Anthony Gordon, previously rumored to be joining Chelsea from Everton for an absurd amount of money when Frank Lampard was manager. And the defense was... Tuchel was manager, not, not Lampard. Well, Lampard was manager of Everton. Oh, yes. And was yes. claiming how yes. valuable Anthony Gordon was. Yes. So that also is just a weird cycle for all of this, too. It's all weird. This is all weird storylines. It's like the uh, this is clearly the writer's strike season for Chelsea. They got AI <laughs> to come in and write it. AI didn't really know what to do. This is nah. what we got. But the defense, I don't even think exposed is the right word. They just were completely off they, for this goal. They just stopped playing. Uh, it was ridiculous it was ridiculous from Thiago Silva it was ridiculous from Trev uh all the way through really bad the announcing team on this one um was uh 
pretty aggressive about how bad Chelsea were. <laughs> it's just two-footed studs up the whole match. How look, hard to disagree with a lot of what of of what our guy was saying there, but um but yeah, it was uh it was a shambolic goal to give away and and like look, I, I think you and I were kind of texting behind the scenes like it, the the vibes were not high at that point. It was right. uh it was tough. Tough to watch. Well, you and Newcastle supporters just absolutely having a wonderful day out. Knew they were going back into the Champions League for the first time in they a They got to see the sun for the fucking first time in, in 30 years, probably. It was great for him. Naz okay. also had a tweet. I think they said that the, the top half of the Chelsea, uh, the Newcastle away support was topless. Yeah. <laughs> which is another just look, they deserve it, right? They, they've worked hard to get here this season. Um, they, you know, uh, you know. Ownership issues, kind of aside, uh, their 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 team and their players put in the performances to get them to where they need to be. It's a 38 game season, and you have to do the work in every single match to make it happen. And they did, and we didn't. So they should be well within their rights to celebrate the fact that they're heading back up. However, it was not all sunshine, roses, daffodils, and good vibes because Sterling takes a speculative shot. One of many shots that he took in the game. This one, though, had the great fortune to bounce off of Kevin Trippier into the back of the net. Initially, everyone thought it was a Sterling goal, but very quickly realized it was absolutely a bit of a big deflection into the back of the net. So, look, not not often did we get luck this season, Nick, but we did get a little bit of luck today. It was it was really nice of him to handball it in, you know? I just thought that was an and extra to, nice And to touch. not get it called off. <laughs> yeah, just a... Just a nice pity, uh, nice nice pity goal for them to to give us, and uh, you know, it was it was nice to see the fans get something to celebrate. You know, I mean, God, we we were only there for a couple matches this season. I can't imagine, and, and those were matches that we won, um, famously, as, as we won't let people forget. Um, but but it was uh, yeah, it was nice to see a little bit of positivity enter the uh, the arena there. Well, it was good too with the the combination play because you had. Enzo set up Matawake, Matawake gets it into Sterling. So you were seeing movement, and I, and I felt like the Newcastle team basically were like, we we just don't want to get embarrassed today. We are willing to play on the counter. We're willing to let you have the ball. You guys don't know how to score. And so Enzo got time. He was getting closed down a bit, but he was getting the time he needed to work on the ball. And Matawake, particularly in the first half, was getting plenty of space, plenty of opportunity to bring it forward. Both of the attacks on the wings were getting space. They just were constricting that kind of direct middle area in front. Yeah, and and look, there, I think there was some pretty bright play in the first half, to be honest with you. After we conceded the goal, the, the team really started pinging the ball around. There was more one-touch uh, one passing in, in this game than we've had all season, um, you know, and the players – Looked truly free to kind of express themselves across the the pitch, and there was some there was some decent play. I mean, Ruben was making some great runs from midfield. Conagher was being a pet, or Conagher Conagher Gallagher. There it is again. Uh, Connor Gallagher was being a pest. Uh, you know, I think Sterling was showing some pretty decent uh, you know touches and vibes in the first half. You have Matawake who uh, just loves doing the most that he can in the box as many in the box touches as possible. That's, that's what Matawake loves doing. And, you know, I think overall, you know, Enzo kind of controlling the flow of the game from midfield, 
Lewis Hall continuing to play well. I mean, there was there was some decent stuff there. I mean, the team just can't score goals, as we know, Dan. I mean, that's at the end of the day, our, our announcing team, everyone who knows uh, Chelsea, we all know that what our problem is, and it's scoring goals, and there's just no number nine to do it. Yeah, if you go back and look at just the individual XG per shot, so we're looking at the likelihood that a shot scored from that position on the pitch makes it in, uh, the higher the point number the higher likelihood that that type of shot would have to go in out of 100 times and the best opportunity was actually the tiago silva header that did not go in which 0.26 so that was the best chance of the first half so i mean really for the remainder of the first half it was just ping-ponging back and forth you know chelsea would get the ball we would bring it close we would try to get it in it would get blocked it would get turned over newcastle would run it back the other way and there was some actually some good individual defending at moments. I think particularly outside of the the goal that we gave up, Trev Chalba in the first half stood up well uh, against uh, uh, Isak, who definitely was a handful and yep. making it not not so easy to uh, to to one on one against him. But then we go to the second half, we get. The one change, Fafana coming in for Chalba due to the injury. We had a little bit of time, about 15 minutes, and then we get a double sub with Havertz coming off for Joao Felix and then Chukwameka coming off for Ramoftis Cheek. We'll talk about the Ruben walking off the pitch as we look at maybe players who are saying goodbye, but that felt like a little bit of a roll of the dice say like hey you know let's just continue to try let's let's bring on a different attacker let's bring on a different midfielder and and see if we can't strike something here see if we can't continue to to press and go after it because a second goal was there to be had for for either team really what do you have to lose like i mean that's the team played pretty freely today because there's nothing to lose right just is what it is. So I, I, you know, I was happy to see them at least try some new stuff. There were some back heel flicks. There were some little tricks that were happening in the second half. And Chelsea did everything but put the ball in the back of the fucking net per usual. But you know, some of the play felt good. And you know, I think that in particular, Chukwemeka came on and played really well. Um, you know, he he continued the carrying of the ball that Ruben was doing with a little bit of additional flair in the final third. I mean, there were seven shots from the 61st minute to the 75th minute. And so Chelsea definitely, with that change, ratcheted it up. Newcastle were continuing to, to sit back, having a little less opportunity within it. So, again, I, I there's a lot that can be critiqued about the different managers and what they did or didn't do correct throughout the entirety of the season. But this felt like some of the individual desire to make something happen was sparked or renewed from the individual players who are realizing it's a last opportunity potentially to play for Chelsea for, for, for many. It's the last opportunity of the season to get out, get some minutes. There's an opportunity to potentially advocate for yourself with a new manager or within the market mm-hmm. and, individually it felt like there was some some desire to to take some shots on to take some risks not from every player but from a few i think the maybe the biggest question might have been around the dan burn incident the the handball the arm behind the back of the six seven defender (laughs) what even is it dan do we even know what it is Uh, like there were there were two opportunities or two 
I think, pretty clear-cut penalties. The first was Trippier before he handballed it in. Um, there was a chance before that where he cl- ball clearly hits his hand, and I think the argument against the penalty was just proximity, which is fine, but had that been a Chelsea player, you bet your sweet ass that VAR has given that. And then the Dan Burn thing is crazy. He moves his arm toward the ball and then pretends like it was behind his back the whole time, and VAR apparently found no fault in that. I mean, whatever. It, it would have been really nice to win this, and I think Chelsea had the the right stuff today to win it, except any sort of clutch gene in front of goal. I mean, good God. Jao Felix had four good chances. He had an open header in the middle of the net from uh, uh, from a Lewis Hall peach of a delivery again and blazed it over. He blazed his free kick over. Got unlucky that one shot was deflected, but I mean, nobody can find the broadside of a fucking barn. And then Pulisic at the very end, the last chance of the game, uh, Sterling plays him in perfectly and he shoots it right at Dubrovka. And and you're just like, I'm so happy this is over and we don't have to complain about this anymore because it's very bad. Good first start of the Premier League season for him taking over for Nick Pope with the finger injury that he sustained in the prior match. So, again, backup goalkeepers, the worst individual to face if you're a Chelsea attacker. And that that was it. That was the wrap. That was it. It was over. The whistle was done. Everybody turned their attention to the other matches that still had meaningful minutes to play. But, Nick, that is the last match review that we will do as a podcast until the start of next season. Episode 211 is is a is a match review about Chelsea Newcastle of this season. We still have more pods to come. Obviously, you guys know. Uh, we do our seasons basically July to June, so we have a whole month of June that's going to be really tasty in terms of pods. But it's it's just been a crazy ass season. Uh, we thank you uh, for for tuning in to every one of these match reviews. That's been a huge disappointment <laughs> along the way, and uh, and hopefully we found ways for you to uh, as we will with our next segment. Uh, try and change the, the the conversation a little bit with some some new ideas so yeah thank fuck it's over all right well with that said we will take the last ad break and then get into the players who are maybe saying goodbye and reacting to the final table and what this means for promotion and relegation uh, in and out of the premier league so stay tuned we'll be right back Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. That means if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. And if you're anything like me, you break sunglasses a lot, so this is helpful. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence. They have your back long after you make your purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. 
from building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS the outdoor adventure of a lifetime. Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Shady Rays Memorial Day Sale is live right now. Go to ShadyRays.com and get 35% off all sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. That's right. Go to ShadyRays.com. Okay, so Nick, there are things or players, players, personnel that are saying goodbye that we 100% know are confirmed. There are ones that are extremely likely. Those are ones that are somewhat likely, maybe some question marks on if it happens now or if it happens in a little bit contingent upon player sales incoming. And so I think the first one, maybe just for the confirmation, he didn't get a chance to say goodbye the last time he was Chelsea manager. He did get an opportunity to do so to the supporters today, but Frank Lampard leaving at the end of a unfortunate unceremonious exit or departure in terms of the way that the team has played over this last part of the season. I mean, I think we can't thank him enough for the work that he did bringing up several Chelsea Academy players, uh, some who, who are still with us, some who are excelling elsewhere in Europe, who took over in a time of turmoil when Chelsea were under transfer ban, uh, didn't have you know, Champions League football had to work back into that, got us through the stages where Tuchel was then able to take the baton and carry us the rest of the way. This one was not great. This was not a great spell for Frank Lampard. It does not do well for his aspirations as a Premier League manager, uh, particularly when you compare when you when you add this to the Everton performance in this season, is not a great resume builder. But for every other great memory that we have had from that has been generated by Frank Lampard. Uh, we, we, I guess, forgive this and say thank you for, for all the other great memories. And, um, you know, there we are. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a culmination of his career at Chelsea, right? Um, you know, n- not, not a, a moment in time analysis. I, I, Frank Lampard is, is Chelsea's greatest ever player. Um, he did a, a serviceable job in his first tennis manager. This obviously didn't go that well, but I'm really glad that, you know, he got his banner out today, I think in the, in the Matthew Harding end and, um, you know, the club were able to, you know, serenade him as he, as he walked around the pitch for the final time as our manager. And, you know, again, it's, it's hard not to contextualize this against where we are, but Dan, if you look at the positive side, I know we're I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit to where the table is. He kept two sides up this season, you know, so really exciting stuff oh, for him. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um a little bit of a uh, a joke there, but uh but look, I mean you either live enough to long enough to see Big Sam <laughs> uh or know, die. Keep, keep your team up yeah. or or die becoming <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I, I think there have been a bunch of people who said this on 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 Twitter and 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 in the press. But man, if if that dude can get into a talent ID role somewhere, and I hope it's Chelsea at some point, because uh, God only knows what's going on behind the scenes at our club. He is excellent in talent ID. He understands what he's looking for, and I think 
uh, would would probably be a lot happier doing that than maybe doing the management side anymore. I, I'm you know I think I'm not trying to 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 write his career arc for him or anything, but I think if he were to do that, he would be really really truly excellent at it. I would guess that he goes back into punditry. I think he was actually very very good at it. And I think as Mourinho famously talked about, like you, you look at the scene, there are not a lot of ex-Chelsea in those type of roles. There's a lot of ex-Liverpool, a lot of ex-United, ex-Arsenal. And so when you have a pool of individuals talking about something, there's no way to eradicate a, a, a bias or an affection or an affinity to an organization and it'd be nice to add, you know, in addition to like Joe Cole and uh, Karen Carney and add just another voice. Uh, you know, Emma obviously commentates uh, frequently as well. Like, so just add one more voice to the sphere of people who are saying nice things about Chelsea would be would be great. Obviously, we have to earn those, but maybe just even to shade the conversation a little bit would be would be nice. When we think about the extremely likely, just based upon. The reporting, the reception today, either what the fans were doing for the player, what the player was providing back to the fans in terms of acknowledgement, you have to start with Aspilicueta. Aspilicueta was rumored to be going at the beginning part of last season in the summer window. He was had an extension that got triggered, and so he did end up staying for what was a very tumultuous first season under uh, the, the Clear Lake group, the Todd Bowley and company uh, acquisition and it feels like Nick this is the this is the end of the chapter that the performances are okay not great they are not at the level that we're going to need to fight our way back to the top of the Premier League table again next season to put ourselves back into Champions League contention and this is probably the best way to to you know outside of winning something winning a trophy winning a title this is the best way to kind of go out on, on a little bit of a known term statue. Uh, that that's what he deserves. I mean, obviously I want to see him play as long as he wants to play. Um, and I think, you know, he was rumored to go to Barcelona last summer. It, chance he ends up in Spain again. Um, he will, you know, assuming that he leaves, which is not a done deal or anything like that. Uh, he will make whatever team he goes to better because he is that good at, at being a leader and a captain. Um, you know, again, really touching scenes for him, and I'm glad the Shed, we are the Shed group, uh, did that uh, banner today, because uh, I feel like even though he's won everything in his career, even though he's been such a stalwart, even though he's played over 500 games for the club, I think today was 508, it still feels like he's underrated by people. And... Maybe it's just the nature of the position that he's played or the fact that he's not a showboaty, me, me, me guy or whatever. But he is just genuinely an awesome dude and uh, shouldn't be underrated. He should be uh, exalted. There might be a future episode, which is like the uh, adequately rated, like inaccurately rated uh, type yeah. of episode in terms of Chelsea players of past. Uh, particularly as more and more new supporters come into the sport. And, you know, look, you get to root for Chelsea as an underdog now, which means that you can join on the Chelsea bandwagon and not be not be called a title chaser or a trophy chaser. 
In addition to Azpilicueta, it feels like we may have seen the last of Ruben Loftus-Cheek in this match. Ruben got called off in the 60th minute, did a round of applause. There was a reactionary standing ovation from the supporters as well. Ruben's road has been bumpy, to say the least, at Chelsea. There was a lot of hype surrounding him at a very early part of his career. There's been a lot of injuries. There's been several loans. There's been some highs in certain years. The 2019 under Mauricio Sarri was maybe the best version of Ruben Loftus-Cheek that we have seen at the club. Marauding forward, scoring, had the the look of maybe a player who would be the next generation uh, Bollock, but even better control the way he was able to take the ball i think maybe second to hazard probably at that time in the team of just tight control with the ball at his feet and doing it at six four which is pretty fantastic i think the shame of this is going to be nick is that we never were able to see ruben unlock a hundred percent of his potential wearing chelsea blue and only got maybe the slightest appearance of what that full potential looked like and it was it was delicious looking in terms of what what that future could have been. And I think that's going to be the biggest shame. But, you know, for a player who's contributed, I think he's been a really great squad player wherever managers have needed him to play, whether it's right wing back, whether it's in midfield, whether it's as a second striker, he's been willing and flexible and amenable to, to all that. And you just have to say thanks for, for being a, a great contributor when, when your number's been called. Yeah, I think I think more than that. Obviously, we were at Gillette when he tore his Achilles, and it felt like, like so much of the air just went out of the room, you know, like out of the whole building, I should say, because all of the potential, all the back problems that he overcame, all the ligament trouble that he had, it felt like he was finally over the the hump. I think he was twenty three at that point or 22 going on 23 and that he was just going to enter the prime of his career in such a form. And Chelsea had this dynamo for midfield. That was one of our own. And at that point, this was pre Mason Mount, right? This is pre Reese James. This is pre, you know, it was, it was him and Christensen and, and Christensen was kind of a not fully homegrown player at that point. Um, it, it felt like finally, since John Terry left, we have one of our guys, right? And, um, I've always given him a lot of love for that, uh, because I think he more than anything has persevered and it probably cost him. It probably cost him starting minutes. It probably cost him a chance at trophies. It probably cost him a lot. And it was great to see the crowd acknowledge that today. And, and, you know, again, he's, he was our favorite, a player interview that we've done at Cobham. It was so much fun to get to talk to him and see him open up. And he really lights up a room, right, from a personality standpoint. And, um, you know, we just uh, wish him the best. And, and I, I will sincerely follow him uh, wherever he goes and root for him because that's a that's a real, a real talent that's probably going to go, you know, play in Italy and, you know, we, we have a few other friends in, in the Milan team and, and the Roma team and a bunch of other friends who are in Italy, too, that we that we follow. So uh, best of luck to him, genuinely. Another one is you would likely see Joao Felix's loan come to an end. And due to the cost, 
both on player wages or to Atletico Madrid, it feels very unlikely, at least even though there have been a ton of overtures, even though, again, another player we've spoken to who seemingly would want to stay in London, reports from multiple individuals saying that he likes London, he wants to stay in there. Again, you got to think about it. Every one of these scenarios has a player and a player's entourage who are advocating for their, their best. <laughs> yeah, Mendez, uh, very much known for advocating on behalf of, of his players. It just feels like, Nick, that given the stack rank of priorities that Chelsea have heading into this summer, that Joao Felix is definitely more of one of those like nice-to-have individuals, whereas a upgrade in midfield, an upgrade likely in goalkeeper, and a true striker or a true number nine is where Chelsea's head is at. And this would be more of a, if if a exodus of players occurred, if they we are able to get the money we're looking for in terms of certain sales, maybe it happens, but it feels less likely than it did when he first came and there was a rush of excitement when he has started his loan. Another really nice guy. Got a chance to talk to him uh, at Cobham again. Really... Uh, Really impressed us, I think, uh, from the way he handled that situation. Um, look, it's just been hard, right? It's been hard all the way around. And, you know, if Chelsea do not go get a nailed-on number nine who can come in and bang in the goals, then it doesn't matter how many number tens we have, right? And it's pretty clear at this point that Felix and Havertz and, you know, Nkunku and, you know, a bunch of these other guys are number tens. They're not number nines. Right. So uh, I think it's just uh, a situation where, you know, there's, a, you know, as you say, the stack rank of needs uh, exceeds the likelihood of him staying. The other one here is Edouard Mendy. And this is one that Naz has been doing diligence on a reporting perspective um, for the Evening Standard, talking about how it seems more than likely that Edouard Mendy will seek to leave Chelsea not viewed as the number one starter at this moment. This would be one of those weird sliding door moments. If he doesn't get injured, if he retains his spot, if he doesn't have that dip in form, did Chelsea have their goalkeeper for the next decade? Particularly after one of the best runs of performance in Europe in recent memory from a defensive contribution, the way he was stopping shots, the way that Chelsea's defense was playing, the run-up to our Champions League victory... It feels weird to have gone from being the starter on a team that won the Champions League to now being on his way out, but seemingly contract terms are a bit of a sticking point. And at least right now, Chelsea are saddled with two, you know, it would be saddled with two very expensive goalkeepers and from a squad building standpoint, doesn't seem to be the right way forward. Yep. Uh, look, we will always have that Champions League, right? We'll always and have Porto. We will. And we will always have the fact that he was the world's best goalkeeper in that stretch. There there could be no denying it. He was in front of a formidable defense, or behind a formidable defense, I should say. But he absolutely stood on his head. And had it not been for injuries, and I think the team just changing the way they played, uh, you know, who knows? But uh, one, one that hopefully is welcomed back fondly at the bridge should he choose to go. And, um, you know, again, I, I will never forget that night that he gave us, he and the rest of the team gave us. It was, it was simply one of the best of our lives. 
All right, and then we'll rapid fire through a few more, just ones that have maybe an uncertain future ahead could be on their way out this summer. So we don't know fully if this was the last time that we saw them. Mateo Kovacic has uh, an additional year um, left in his contract. So a similar situation to Mason Mount, where we've talked about that in more depth recently. So you can go back and listen to the last episode Nick and I did if you want to hear more thoughts on Mason Mount. But Mateo Kovacic, similar situation, no contract renewal yet. Feels like he might be on his way out too, Nick. And this would be the opportunity if you're going to try to continue to make some make some profit, make some balancing the books happen, could be a candidate for uh, for a departure elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, he played horrifically when he came on today, just to put on on that hat. Um, it seems likely like he will he will leave. There's not gonna be a whole lot of space in that midfield and and I think it would make sense just on his on his wages to to make that move again. At his best, he was incredible for us, and really, you know, I think it's forgotten that when we were on a transfer ban, that we were allowed to sign him because it was an extension of that loan. Basically, we had the option to buy, and so they, you know, the the, the fact that we were able to bring him in for that Marita sorry season, and, and then he continued under Lampard was incredible. You know, it felt like stealing one there, uh, but yeah, I think I think it's probably the right time for him. Another one, a fellow compatriot in Christian Pulisic, is also one who would look likely to leave, given the way that he's fallen down the pecking order in terms of attackers at the club. Obviously, Mudra came in, Madueke came in, you're likely getting Nkunku coming in as well, so it feels like his spot is not solidified. He'd like to be a starter, I would imagine, again somewhere, and this would be a player who might find that opportunity outside of uh, Chelsea. Could potentially stay in the Premier League, but most likely is going to find an opportunity to to start elsewhere. For sure. Um, definitely uh, a, a player that, you know, I think when he first got here, excited a lot of us. I think it's just been a really tough road for him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not playing even when the stakes are zero. So you can't imagine that he's going to be the first name on the team sheet next year. It's a shame it didn't work out. He, like Kovacic, couldn't stay healthy. And at the end of the day, the best ability is availability. And I, you know, I, I hope that he does find that consistent run in a team and he's able to show what he can actually do um, because I, I think there's a really good player in there. And the last one, Kepa Aretha Balaga. This is probably the most challenging one to move off of heading into the summer. Still. The wages are going to be a challenge for a lot of teams to take on, so it feels like it's going to be something where Chelsea are going to have to find one of a very few number of clubs who would be interested and likely willing to do some work on their end financially to help make it happen. But this is another one we've seen rumored, particularly if Chelsea are going after a new shot stopper. We've seen multiple names linked with the club, particularly as the Mauricio Pochettino news has started to further solidify over the last 24 hours. But Nick, this is another one where performed in, in, in times above where he needed to for to help the club had had one really great save today didn't come out for a cross on the other like just there's a Jekyll and Hyde with Keppa that makes it really hard because you want you almost want to will him to be better than he is because when he is on his best it feels feels good it feels really good but when he's at his worst 
it's very easy to say, man, such an easy position for us to upgrade. It, you know, it wouldn't it's not the first priority we have, but I think, you know, there's been rumors of Onana and, you know, obviously if Mendy goes and Kappa stays, if you bring in a goalkeeper, he's he's not gonna start. And so I think the most likely scenario for him is that, you know, if they can figure out a way to get him a transfer and he decides to take less money, right? Which is not an easy thing to do, but if you're looking to get into a future World Cup or national team side, you have to play, right? And he's still young enough to to make that happen. I mean, goalkeepers age differently than outfield players, right? So he's he still has a lot of career in front of him. I think that's probably the right thing. I think he would do really well in Spain or Italy um, or even Germany. Um, but I just don't – I don't think he's a, a locked-on Premier League every match sort, sort of goalkeeper. And, um, you know, I think, I think Chelsea would do best if they were able to move both of them on. And, you know, I think it's going to be challenging, but that would be the right move. Be interesting if we rolled into next season with that new number one, Gaga Solanina, as number two, yep. which could be very having a very heck good. of an under twenty World Cup. By the way, the the Chelsea players at the under twenty World Cup right now having a good time, having Killing a real it. good time, um, and then potentially uh, Bettinelli as your your third choice, just here to make sure that everybody's having a good time. The the chief. The chief enthusiasm, the chief charisma offer, Bettinelli, just just loving life. But look, Nick, that's our early assessment just on some good goodbyes that might be happening, uh, some that feel more certain than others. But there are some other goodbyes that we have to do, and these are for Premier League clubs that are going away because we're going to react to the end of the season from a non-Chelsea perspective. And look, we, we obviously know Manchester City, champions, that's great. 89 points, save the world from Arsenal winning the league. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our, our timeline greatly improved because no of doubt. that. Uh, they, Arsenal finished five points behind them. Man United and Newcastle, 75 and 71 points apiece. Round out your top four. Liverpool, unfortunately for them, uh, fall back behind and will be in Europa League next season along with Brighton and then Aston Villa make their way into the Conference League. No European football for Tottenham. Brentford finish in ninth place, Fulham in 10th, Crystal Palace in 11th by one point ahead of us in 12th place. And then Wolves, West Ham, Bournemouth, Forest round out up to 16th place because this last day of the season, it was all about what was going to happen with Everton, Leicester, and Leeds. Southampton's fate had already been confirmed, and they they came to play today, which was great. They went out in a, a very good way for their supporters, which was fun to watch. It's always good to clown on Liverpool a little bit, and we appreciate that. Yeah. Though, Nick, this was this is a fun set of games. I think you wanted to sing it earlier, and now we can officially confirm. We... we na 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 Leeds are going down, going down. Leeds are going down. All right, we'll work on the the you know syncing up. We'll ask Jake to yeah. uh, to sync that up somehow. We'll just put it in the notes. But I did my best. Uh, they don't come here to hear us sing. They come here to you know just enjoy the fact that Leeds are going down collectively as a Chelsea supporter. Feels really good. Unfortunate for our fellow American players who are <laughs> uh, now in the Championship and not in the Premier League. Um, this was a crazy end to it because for the majority, really through the first halves. It was Everton going down, 
Leeds found out very quickly that they were going to be going down when Harry Kane decided, I'm here to score today. I'm here to go out. Potentially, Two minutes in. Potentially go out in, in a you know, blaze of glory for my Tottenham career because there are rumors about him pushing for an exit. Yeah. This solidified quickly. And so it really was a run-up between which of the two teams between Everton and Leicester would make it across the line. And as we were talking about early, Leicester get that early goal or earlier goal than, than Everton. So they are effectively in the driver's seat. But hold on, Nick. Everton said, no way, not today. You're getting diced. And diced they got. Um, th- this was a crazy-ass game between Everton and Bournemouth. Uh, Everton scoring uh, through Decore with an absolute rip of a shot. I mean, just an absolute rip. And then they held on for an additional 48 minutes. And then there's 10 extra minutes of injury time because Pickford broke his finger uh, midway through the second half. It it was disgusting to look at, by the way, they showed it on camera. Just, (laughs) just awful. Uh, Him and Solanke got into it. They were going at each other. I mean, it was, it was a really uh, rough and tumble game up at, at Goodison. This is the last game at Goodison park before they moved to, to Bramley docks next year. And it's the the atmosphere was just so pitched. And then you you get in the middle of, of Everton's injury time that Leicester have won, right? So if Bournemouth equalize, Everton are going down and Everton are basically just hanging on for dear life. And then they finally got the whistle at the end and they stayed up and then their fans rushed the the pitch and demanded the board be sacked that ev- like they were up in arms this was not a celebration it was a protest and i you know i i know everton fans in my life obviously uh you know we we've listened to men and blazers for a long time and know that raj uh lives and dies with his his club like i i was i was happy that they stayed up uh because i think you know lesser and leeds definitely deserve to go down based on their performances this year i think i think it netted out the right way at the end but it was it was intense, man. I don't know. The Premier League is something else. We were all treated to a wild Sunday, a phenomenal finish to the end of the Premier League season. But Nick, we are going to invite a couple of fun teams back into the fold. And I'm going to say Burnley are going to be more fun now because it's a Vincent Company side. Like I, I am unhappy that Sean Dyche remains in the in the Premier League. That that is unfortunate. Good for the Everton faithful. Uh, sad for for the Leicester supporters who, you know, have seen their club go through a really weird transition over the last couple of years to go from winning the league to you know in 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 the past decade, which a lot of teams in that top echelon can't even say to now being back in the championship feels like a real just turnaround for them. But yeah. but Burnley back up Sheffield United back up. And I think the one that everybody is talking about the most, the first non-league side to go from non-league to the Premier League, Luton Town, is going to make it in, makes, made it into the Premier League after the playoffs. And we are going to see some of the craziest away day videos for people going to Luton Town to watch their team play against this side. Their stadium is 10,000. It can't 
currently function with VAR because it doesn't have the right dimensions. They have a lot of shit to figure out at the league level for that. But the the match yesterday between them and Coventry was amazing. Um, I still don't understand why they give out a trophy in this. It just seems... For third place, it just is like whatever. Look, they, they should just give them a big check. They should do one of the big checks, like publish <laughs> yes. <your> clearinghouse. <laughs> Here's your first Premier League play- payment, guys. Uh, but I mean, I was really happy. Luton deserved to win that game. By the way, they were the far better team uh, in, in the match. And then it goes to penalties, and penalties is just the worst way to decide who's going to go up to the Premier League or not. But Luton get it done. Somewhere up there in the sky, Jamal Edwards is smiling because that is his his hometown team. Obviously, he's a Chelsea fan as well. And uh, I petitioned the Chelsea-Luton game, the away match for Chelsea, to be the uh, Jamal Edwards derby because I think that would be a pretty special thing to do. But uh, welcome to Luton Town into the Premier League. Go on, you hatters. What a performance from them. Again, they had to come back from 2-1 down in the first part of the playoffs against Sunderland. They did come back and win 2-0, and then it uh, went to penalties after a 1-1 element. 6-5 was the ending to the promotion playoff there. But we will end this episode, Nick, with just the last bit, a bit of good news that all Chelsea supporters needed heading into the start of the offseason. But Matt Law dropping the note... Before kickoff, understand Mauricio Pochettino has now signed his contract as Chelsea's permanent head coach. Thoughts? Feelings? Very pleased that this is finally fucking done. I think they probably waited to announce, or they probably waited to announce everything until the last game of the season was done, just to you know say a farewell to, to Frank and, and co. But um, there, there's a lot of fucking work to do, so let's get to work. And let's make some smart choices. Let's get Mason Mount resigned. Uh, let's get our transfer policies in order. And uh, and yeah, I'll, I'm very very intrigued to see how his first season goes because oof, it's gonna be uh, not not too hard to leap over the 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 bar that's on the floor of this current season. Yeah, for the players, there is a bit of a break ahead, but for the board for the owners for the technical side of it for the new manager it definitely should be a no days off energy coming out for the next few weeks as players need to get moved on contracts need to be renewed plans need to be drafted up for how this team is going to play and train heading into next season to avoid the copious amounts of injuries soft tissue injuries that we ran into over the course of this past season there's so much work ahead and we will be with you throughout all of it because we also operate on a no days off type of philosophy here at London is blue HQ. We're going to have more content. You see us injured this year, Dan fucking no. Well, I mean, we've had some sniffles. We've had some colds occasionally, but we, we played through it. We played through, we gave you the full 90 and uh, here we, we played are. Hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hurt or hung over one of the two. Uh. We played in both capacities, but that is the final match review of the 2022-2023 Premier League season as we look forward to brighter days ahead for Chelsea as we recognize the Chelsea women doing amazing things once again and get you in to the start of summer. So get those Yacht Rock jams going, get those fun colored shades out, and get ready to celebrate with us as we start uh, another wonderful, hopefully, season of Chelsea football because this one is done and dusted so we will see you in raleigh philly atlanta dc 
summer tour, live shows. Let's fucking go. Sun is out, and we will also be out having a great time as well. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Take a breath, relax, enjoy a nice beverage, and keep the blue flag flying high.